0: Hello, welcome to Hope Church Harrogate's message of the week. If you'd like to connect with us, please head over to hopeharrogate.co.uk forward slash connect. We'd love to hear from you. Good morning. How are you? Doing okay? Good? Wonderful. Um, Last week, we started our new series, a short one called More Than Me, and I talked about the human longing deep inside each one of us to be known and loved and to know and love other people. And uh, if you weren't here, I I think I'm allowed to do this. Um, It's probably the talk I've had the most positive feedback on ever. Just put it out there. You can watch it on YouTube. Listen it on your podcast channel of choice. I think it was pretty good. We looked at how it was not good that Adam was alone and God created another human being like him but different to work alongside him. We looked at Cain and Abel and how um, Cain was supposed to have been his brother's keeper but wasn't. And I landed by kind of saying, look, we're supposed to be brothers and sisters to one another. That's the key message here, but we need more than brothers and sisters. We also need friends. That's my summary. It was a bit more entertaining and a lot longer last week. And, and today's title is Made for Friendship. And I want to be really honest with you, we are about to enter into dangerous ground. Entering into the topic of friendship is dangerous. I uh, was trying to put this series together this summer, I'd done some reading, I was writing down different sketched ideas for how this could all work, and it just wasn't quite coming together. And so I picked up the phone, I rang Rachel Turner, a friend of ours, and um, super helpful, I I said, Rachel, I've got this series, it's not working, help me. And I talked to her through it, she went, yeah, you're right, it's not working. Uh, (laughs) Because she's a friend. And, uh, And she said, you're just trying to do too much in it, Adam, simplify, simplify. Narrow it down. You want to talk about friendship? Just talk about friendship. Don't worry about everything else. I said, thanks, Rachel. That's really helpful. Went away, narrowed it down. The next day, I got a text message, a WhatsApp from her with this meme in it. It's a picture of Kermit the Frog looking forlornly out of the window. And the caption says, When your pastor preaches on being friends to the people that no one wants to be friends with, and suddenly the whole congregation wants to shake your hand after the service. Talking about friendship in church is dangerous ground. You'll be pleased to know that that is not my message for today. I'm not going to tell you you need to be friends with people no one else wants to be. As I said last week, however, friendship is the most important, least talked about relationship in church life. And uh, I think... Having spent some time trying to create this series and prepare these talks, the reason for that is because talking about friendship is not easy. It's something that we all think should happen, and we think it should happen very naturally, but the reality is it doesn't. And most of us carry some degree of longing for better friends, if we're being honest, and some sense of shame, guilt, failure for where we haven't been a good friend. And when you begin to talk about a topic that people carry deep longing for and some sense of guilt or shame, it's dangerous ground. And so I'm going to attempt to do this very nicely and very challengingly, but we're all going to be better off at the end. Please, Lord. (laughs) Aristotle puts it like this. He says, the desire for friendship comes quickly. Friendship does not. Sound familiar to your life? And this is the reason why I can't just give you three points this morning that all begin with the same letter and will revolutionize your friendships, and by next Sunday, your friendships will be perfect. Because it takes time. Friendship takes time. Time plus presence, you've actually got to be with each other, plus vulnerability. That's the recipe for friendship. Time plus presence plus vulnerability. Sometimes when people join HOPE, They tell me I'm really keen to make friends. And uh, if I think they can take it, what I say to them is, that's great, can I set your expectations? It's going to take you 12 months to make good friends in this church. And that's assuming you come most Sundays, join midweek groups and serve in a team. And most of the time they look at me like I've just popped their balloon. Because we think it should happen faster than that. But my experience of 12 years leading in this church is, If you can do it in 12 months, you're doing well. Just put it out there. Time plus presence plus vulnerability. It's a key recipe for friendship. And one of the reasons we're talking about friendship today is it's fast becoming the most important relationship in our culture. So I did loads of cultural analysis last week. I talked about the uh, increase in loneliness and the consequences for that. Uh, Upon our health, I talked about the stories that create that sense of loneliness in our lives. Just giving you the cell, you can go and watch it. Uh, uh, But the reality is, in the moment of time in which we live, friendship is fast becoming the most important relationship in our lives. So there's a writer, she's called Rebecca Huntley. She wrote a book called The World According to Why. It's Generation Y, my generation, the true millennials, If you're sort of 25 to 40, welcome to the club. And uh, this lady wrote a book about our generation, and this was her diagnosis, as it were, of the increasing cultural importance of friendship. It comes up on the screen. Friends come first. Because unlike your family and your current relationship, they are the ones you can count on in the long run. This isn't the Bible. I'm not saying she's right but this is her diagnosing our moment of time. In a world where everyone is transient, and we move around a lot, in a world where family breakdown goes on increasing, and actually the marriage rate plummets, and so families don't even form at the same rate, friendship is the last relationship standing, and the most important to many of us. In a world of heightened individualism, where what you want and choose matters the most, it should be no surprise to us that friendship becomes the most important relationship. And we, as followers of Jesus, have an incredible opportunity to demonstrate something of the beauty of friendships that the world around us is incredibly hungry for. And so that's what we're going to look at today. Next week, Liz is going to talk on the art of friendship. She's going to be very practical because she's very good at being very practical. And uh, I'm going to try not to steal too much of what she says. Interestingly, she's been at a conference these last two days. She text messaged me, very excited. Yesterday she said, Paul Manwaring has just preached on friendship as well. You both must be listening to the same God. (laughs) There we go. Clearly the most important relationship in our culture. We have a question we've got to answer before we get going any further, and it's this. What are friends? What are friends? What are friends? And I want to suggest to us that friends is a very slippery term. And my experience is it is the source of many problems for us. I talk to people who are insecure, insecure. I talk to people who are disappointed, I talk to people who are hurt, and I talk to people who are dying under the heavy weight of false comparison, all because they think friends means one thing, and other people think it means something else, and the mismatch means that it's very tricky. You may well have moments and instances in your life where you have completely missed with somebody because you are talking about a different type of friendship than them. In the last week, I have received a letter from a mail-order chocolate company I used once to buy the real Easter eggs for church. We gave them away. And they wrote to me this week trying to sell me their real advent calendars. And the letter began, Dear friend, <laughs> to a man deep in preach prep on friendship. That was quite a provocative thing. I'm like, I'm not sure we're friends, mate. But thanks. On Friday, I had a man round to give us a quote for cutting back some trees in our garden, which, let me tell you, is probably the moment in my life where I felt old more than any other. My daughter started secondary school. I'm staring down the barrel of 40 years old. But a man coming to quote for cutting trees back (laughs) is the sign you've arrived in adulthood. As he was leaving, after giving me the, the spiel about the quote he'd sent me, I said, thanks so much, friend, as he walked out the gate, and then I went, why on earth did I just call him friend? I think, on retrospect, what I was trying to do was soften him up, get 10% discount. <laughs> we'll see if it worked. I've been on Facebook this week, and there, there's a collection of people, many of whom I've met, some of whom I haven't, who I call my friends. This week on Monday, I found out that a friend of mine who was um, one of the people I saw come to Christ in my time in Leeds, a true Leeds man, I um, couldn't understand what he was saying half of the time because of his accent. Incredible story of the grace of God, I found out that he died last weekend, my age. Had a catastrophic seizure, brain stopped working. The family got to say goodbye, then they turned off the machines. A friend of mine died, my age. On Friday last week, I played football. With some friends that I lived with before I got married, we shared some very intimate moments, including snuggle Mondays, where we would get in our sleeping bags and lie on the sofa together watching the telly. <laughs> this is my friend's 40th. The friend that Jess and I met through was his 40th birthday gathered at my friends together to play football that I played football with over the course of seven years. On Tuesday this week, I'm going to have lunch with my oldest friend. I don't remember a time in my life where we haven't been friends. Dan Christian, he came and spoke in our series on Isaiah. We've been through highs and lows of life together. And of course, if you ask me who's my best friend, I would say Jess. She's more than my friend, obviously. Marriage is more than friendship, but it can never be less. Hot tip, if you want to get married, screen first for friendship. Because you've got to be friends forever. If you can't put up with them, don't go there. If you don't make each other better people, don't do it. Friends first. Screen for friendship first. Would you like to hear an embarrassing story? <laughs> no? Okay, fine. <laughs> oh Yes. Um, once when Jess and I were courting, it wasn't the Victorian age, but it was a long time ago, she turned to me, which I found out this morning when I said I might use this story, in the car, apparently. I thought it was in a shop, but it was in the car. And uh, she said to me, Am I your best friend? We were dating at this point, and I said no. (laughs) And she looked at me and she said, who is? And I fluffed some sort of answer because I was desperately trying to pretend I actually had someone who I was as close to as I was her. And um, I haven't lived that story down. She tells most people we meet that story and now you will know that story too. She is my best friend. She was my best friend in that moment and hot tip, say yes. There's a full full gamut of things that we use the word friendship for. I mean, there's many others I could use, but let's be honest. The man from the Meaningful Chocolate Company has a very different relationship than my wife. (laughs) (sighs) It was close for a while there. The guys I lived with for a couple of years, they know me, but they don't know me as well as Dan, who's known me my entire life. They might know my friends. The word friends just covers this enormous range of relationships. It's slippery. Last week I showed you this diagram, the circles of Jesus' friendships. Trying to paint this picture. I said he had 12 friends. We call them his disciples. They followed him around. Within the 12, there were three who were with him at his highest and lowest moments. They went up the Mount of Transfiguration. They were there at the raising of Jairus' daughter. He took them further on in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was praying. And in a three. And there was one who describes himself as the disciple that Jesus loved who rested his head against Jesus' chest at the Last Supper, who was the only one of the 12 present at the cross. And Jesus said down to him from the cross in great pain, look after my mum. He had a 12, he had a 3, he had a 1. He had a wider group. We saw the 72 that he sent out. We know nothing else about them. There were other people around it, but there were clear circles of friends. And I've done all sorts of reading for this series, and research says actually... This, this is how friendship works. There's a guy called Robin Dunbar. He's an evolutionary psychologist, not a believer. Spent his life watching monkeys and people. Genuinely. Fascinating. I took the senior leadership team to go see him speak in Harrogate a few months ago. We had a great time. Really, really interesting. He's written a book uh, about friendship. And he's done his own circles. And they, they look like this. He says, you've got intimates, then close friends, then best friends, then good friends, then just friends, and then acquaintances. And then actually you have another circle that's faces you recognize. Got a question for you. What do Christmas card lists? That's my third mention of Christmas in three weeks in September. Thank you. I'm doing it every week till December. What do Christmas card lists, the doomsday book, and Scandinavian phone records all have in common? (laughs) You're going to be fascinating with friends on Monday at work. The thing they all have in common is this. They all tell us that the line between just friends and acquaintances, that line, inside is 150 people. By and large, in most people's lives. Back when people wrote Christmas cards to everyone they knew and wanted to stay in touch with, the average size of Christmas card list was... 150 people. Not 150 cards. you have multiple people in houses, right? The Doomsday Book, 11th century. They travelled the country trying to write down all the settlement sizes. Average settlement size, 150 people. Robin Dunbar and his associates, they got hold of some Scandinavian phone records. They analyse it, they reckon most people call 150 different people over the course of a year. We kind of, as human beings, are max out at 150 and there's a clear drop-off at our commitment level to people beyond 150. Average size of churches like ours in the country? Let's put it out there. Robin Dunbar also agrees with me that it's gonna take you 12 months to make friends here. Put the next slide up. Susio. He reckons from his research takes two hundred and thirty hours. For somebody to move from being a stranger, I've actually done this slide wrong, the arrow should finish in best friends, which is his circle of 15. 230 hours of face-to-face contact to get from being a stranger to being in your 15 best friends that you would see on a monthly basis and share your heart with. Just put it out there. It's nice when research matches up with what you're saying. So what are friends? Well, friends are clearly very different things, and I have absolutely no idea how to define this for you. But our teaching text for this morning is Proverbs 18 and verse 24, and it's going to help us. If you've got a Bible, why don't you open it up? We're going to read one verse. It's the verse on the screen. It's Proverbs 18, verse 24. It says this. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I want to suggest to us there are two circles of friendship that this proverb has in mind. The generic mass of friends and the friend that is closer than a brother. Just friends and close friends. And I'll spend just a little bit of time looking at these two sets of relationships. Because often, when we talk about friendship, what we default to is close friends. But if all you have is close friends, you have a problem. And the good news, as I told you last week, is that you don't have to be close friends with everybody. In fact, the really good news is you can't. You just can't. And if you set out to try to, it's bad for you. Many of us have our concept of friendship formed for us by a particular TV program. especially if you're my age, though I hear it's all the rage with teenagers again. And we watched 10 series of this program, and it created for us a picture of a tight-knit, interconnected group of friends who share time together every single day, who have their own sofa in the local coffee shop, where they can sit and talk. Three men, three women, Beautiful loft apartments in New York City, money to burn, friends who know all about each other's lives, it's the TV show Friends. And it's created for many of us this picture of friendship, which I just want to put out there, might not be the thing you want to pursue. Because they don't really know anyone else. And if all you've got is close friends, you're missing out on a gift from God of just friends. Friends. In fact, if all you ever have is close friends, then that breeds an intention, an intensity and, actually, an emotional dependency that can be really unhealthy for us, and causes us to miss out on the blessing that many other people can be in our lives, and robs all of them of the blessing that we might be in theirs. Because this series is about more than me. This isn't a series about how can you get good friends for you. It's also a series about how can you be a good friend for others. We aren't called to only have close friends. We need just friends and close friends. So let's look at just friends for a few moments. Just friends are those who know some facts about you. They might know your age, where you live, what job you do. I've got a slide with this on Susio. They might know, you know, family, state, football team you support, favorite TV program. They know some facts about you. When they ask, how are you, you reply with one of three answers. You say, good thanks, fine thanks, or really busy. (laughs) But you like talking to them. You laugh and you you share some common interests. You have a nice time. It's good fun. You, You like their company for the few minutes in which you talk. That's your just friends. If I could put it out here, most of the conversations that go on out there, with a coffee in your hand, probably just friends. And that's good. Feel the release of pressure. It's okay that they're just friends. You need just friends, and other people need you to be a just friend. But these friendships, they do require some intentionality. They don't happen by default. They're not necessarily things that happen naturally. Somebody has to cross the room and say, Hi, how are you? And they say, fine, thanks. Or really busy. You have to remember what's going on for them, so in your two or three minute conversation, you can ask them something that's meaningful. How was your job interview this week? Rubbish result for Man United yesterday, wasn't it? We remember some stuff about it. It takes intentionality. We have to realize that it's not just about me. It's about more than me. And they might need that moment's decompression of talking about whatever it is that you're there, being brave and starting a conversation about. Just like sometimes we need that. We need someone to make the connection. These are the relationships where a little bit of encouragement goes an enormously long way. When you share your good news story with a just friend, it brightens up their day. When you say, thanks, well done, great drumming today, Lee, or thanks so much for serving coffee, it brightens up their day. A little bit of encouragement is oxygen to these relationships. And your two-minute exchange could be the most important thing that happens in their day. Just putting it out there. Because sometimes we don't think these are important, but we need to get in our heads that they are. Friendship, this is a a quote slide, friendship is a gift offered to others and received from them, not the wage of a life well lived. You can't only have just friendships with people who have earned it from you. You've actually got to give them the offer of your two minute time and a little bit of intentionality about a conversation. It's a gift. We give it and we receive it. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. We need just friends and we need them to be reliable in our lives. We need to care for them and they need to care for us. They will affect the trajectory of your life. It's not just close friends that affect what's going to happen in your life. Just friends do as well. Bad company corrupts character is another proverb that we could use at this point. Your just friends matter. They affect your life and you affect theirs. You have the ability to be a good influence on them or a bad influence just as they do on you. We need just friends. But if we invest all of our effort into just friends, then we rob ourselves of the possibility of having close friends. It's a guy called Hugh Black. He wrote in 1903 a book on friendship. I've had to edit this quote so it actually makes sense in 2023. Just FYI, if you start Googling it, I've changed a few words. But this is what he writes. In 1903. It's not a contemporary problem, it's a universal human problem. The commonest mistake is that we spread interactions over a crowd and have no depth of heart left. We lament that we have no steady and faithful friend when we have not expended the love which produces such. We go around moaning that we don't have any close friends when we haven't actually expended the effort to create them because we've been so busy flitting from two-minute conversation to two-minute conversation that we've got no time left for deep and meaningful friends. In our day, friends, the lights are always on, and there is always fun to be had, but it has never been easier to hide. hiding? Hiding in the crowd of just friends? We need surface-level friends, but we also need soul-level friends. We need three-minute friends. We also need three-hour friends. We need friends we can talk about the state of Manchester United's defense with, and friends that we can talk about the state of our heart, or our finances, or our souls with. We need both just friends and close friends. A pastor and counselor called Paul Tripp, he writes this, close friendship pulls you out of the darkness of personal privacy into the loving candor of mutual concern. The human longing is to love and to know and to be known and to be loved. But when we overly curate our lives, when we create someone else for other people to see that isn't truly us, or when we hide in the crowd, we rob ourselves of the ability of being truly known and truly loved. And it's endemic in our day. My question for you at this point of the morning is, who knows you? Who knows you? At The beginning of Genesis, we find Adam and Eve, when they've eaten the apple, they hide from God. And humanity has been hiding from God and from one another ever since. It's in one sense the storyline of the scriptures. Because we get scared about being known. We aren't willing to pay the price of being loved. We aren't willing to pay the price to know somebody else and to love them. Close friendships will cost you. They will cost you autonomy, and they will cost you freedom, which, as I said last week, is what our age lives for. Maximize my freedom, maximize my autonomy. What I'm saying this morning, friends, is if you want a friend who sticks closer than a brother, it's like having someone stuck to you in your life. Suddenly you've got to consider somebody else in your decisions, in your time, in what you do. If just friends know some things about you, then close friends, there's a circle slide for this, Susie as well, yeah, the next one, then close friends know things about you that you haven't yet realized. Ever had that experience? I have. And they say to you, I've been watching you, and you do this. Why do you do that? And you go, I don't know. That's a stupid thing to do. Well, they say, I really enjoyed talking with you last week, but in the middle of the conversation, you said this. Why did you say that? It kind of grated on me. And you have to look at yourself, because they've seen something about you you haven't realized. Oscar Wilde said, a true friend stabs you in the front. (laughs) Got a a true friend who can stab you in the front? Are you a true friend? Can stab someone else in the front? Because you need it. If a just friend asks, how are you? And it yields one of three answers. A close friend asks, how are you really? And knows it's going to be an hour-long conversation. If a just friend is someone whose company you enjoy and you talk about things that you share in terms of interests, then a close friend is one that you will stop what you're doing to celebrate their success and to sit with them through their grief. Time plus presence plus vulnerability equals close friends. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Friends, it's terrifying making friends. Let's be honest about this. It's not natural. It doesn't feel easy. My friend Dan, who I mentioned earlier, when we were little... His parents took us to an indoor play place. It was enormous, the biggest one I'd ever been to. Um, I've no idea how old we were, but I remember vividly this moment. had a vertical slide in it. You know the ones? Like, really big, wide thing, metal. You like fly off the bottom into padding at the end. And he and I, we climbed up, and we got to the top, and we looked down, and both bricked it. And we're like, "Oh, oh, I want to go down. Loads of big kids trying to come up after us going, get down the slide. Looked at each other. Go. On. we'll go together. We'll count to three. One, two, three, we'll go together. Okay, okay. One. Two. Three. Dan went. I stayed. <laughs> he went to the bottom. Looked up at me. Very disappointed in his friend. And I was like, oh, okay he survived. He didn't die. I can do this. And then big kids all started climbing around me, so I threw myself down to get away from them and got to the bottom. He said, Adam, we said we were going to go one, two, three, and both go, and you didn't go. I was scared. Sorry. But it was fun, wasn't it? Let's go again. And we ran back up. Down we went again the rest of the day. Being vulnerable is like sitting at the top of the vertical slide. You're not quite sure if you're going to die if you throw yourself off. It's terrifying. In uh, his book that I mentioned last week, Phil Knox talks about it being like, who wants to be a millionaire? It's like being on the £250,000 question. So you've got 125000 you can bank it, you can take it now. You can gamble for more. But if you lose all the way back to 32000 Like what you could gain is enormous life changing amount of money but if you lose you don't get the one two five anymore Uh -uh. you're going back down there where you just have to talk about football and clothes and strictly from dancing it's terrifying but close friendship is time plus presence plus vulnerability if you're not prepared to be vulnerable in the hope of making a friend you're never going to have a close friend just put it out there one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Proverbs 17 verse 17 says a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. A friend loves at all times. Friends aren't just there when we really need them. In fact if If you think they're going to only be there when you really need them, then you haven't got a friend. You have to have them in the good times and the bad times to truly have a friend. Friend loves at all times. There's a consistency of pursuit of them in relationship to connect. But friends, I want to suggest to us that one of the big reasons that we don't tend to have many close friends, I'm making that assumption, I'm owning it, I'm offering it to you, come with me if you want. If, you've like, if you're like friends in New York, and you've got loads of close friends, and actually you need to get rid of some to get some more just friends, that's fine. You stay there for a second. For those of us who are like, I would really like a friend like this, we have to realize something. We have to realize that the times in which we live oppress us. The times in which we live boss you around, and they tell you that you've got to do this, that, and the other, Otherwise, your life isn't meaningful or fulfilled. And in the process, you run from pillar to post and back again, and you are robbed of the time and the energy that it takes to make close friends. If you run around permanently busy, you will never get a close friend, because it takes time. And to stop and say, you know what, that's a good thing to do, but I don't want to do it, because actually I need to invest into this friendship, is an enormously countercultural act. Following Jesus is an enormously countercultural thing to do. This is just one space. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. He's talking about just friends and close friends, and I need of both. There's another verse that I can't finish this talk without mentioning. It's from John chapter 15. And Jesus says, you are my friends. I preached on these verses a few months ago. It's life-changing verses, friends, to know that Jesus calls you friend. He says, I no longer call you servants, those who stand at the edge of the room, but I call you friends, those who are invited to the table to sit with me and to participate in what I am doing. It's a remarkable thing that Jesus calls us friends. But the question I have for you is this. Jesus is, clearly treats us as close friends. He gave it all for us. Laid down his life for you, to bring you close to him. is permanently available to you when you turn to him. But what kind of friend are you to him? I said last week, I quoted Tim Keller. He says, Only Jesus knows you to the bottom but loves you to the sky. What do you know about Jesus? What kind of time are you spending with him? When you go to him, do you say, I'm fine, thanks? Or do you respond more honestly? And coming to church is fun. We like it here, most of us. But then what? But then what? Friends, Proverbs 18 verse 24 is about friendship, but it points to one that our hearts long for. One that Jesus far supersedes. Not just a friend who sticks closer than a brother, but closer still. The friend who laid everything down to draw close to you. The friend who entered darkness to pull you into the light. The friend who took upon himself our wrongdoing, our sin, our guilt, our shame to deal with it that we might find freedom. There is no friend like him. He's done it all for us. He crossed the room first. He greeted us. He was intentional. And he invites us close. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. He comes to find us, gives up his own autonomy, his own freedom, gives up his life to create a friendship with you. Comes close to you in the darkness and draws you into the light of life far surpassing the light of mutual concern. Gives you time, gives you his presence, and made himself incredibly vulnerable. Jesus said, you are my friends. And the landing of this morning's talk is, you're a friend of Jesus's? Because that's the invitation of the Christian life. We need friends as well as Jesus. Friends who point us to Jesus when times are hard. Friends who bring his grace to bear in our lives. Friends who laugh. One of the reasons I think so many people love the chosen is because you get to see the friendship in action that the writers of the Gospels just weren't bothered about communicating to us. They were friends. Jesus says, You are my friend if you do what I command. He loves you and invites you into friendship. What's your reply? There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother, a friend for all of us. It's available to you right now. If you don't know him, he's available to you if you know him and have left him. He's available to you if you know him, but he's been a just friend. He's available to you if you're as close as you've ever been. There is still more from the one who is closer than a brother. Shall we pray together? Band, you want to come back up? Leaders in a song to finish? Can I invite you to stand to your feet, if you're able, as we pray? Why don't you take a moment to soberly reflect on that challenge, that question. I know I brought the heat for a moment. Just allow it to sit with you. Father, we're so thankful for the way that you've made us. We're so thankful that you've made us for relationship. You've made us to love one another and keep one another. But not just out of obligation, but out of joy as well. You've made us for friendship. Friendship with yourself and friendship with one another. And Lord, I pray that the weight of false guilt, where people feel like they've not measured up, would be lifted now by the Spirit of God. I pray grace and mercy would flow where people are dying under shame in this area. I pray your forgiveness would flow where we have actually violated friendships and failed others. Would we know your forgiveness? Would we know your cleansing touch? Pray for hearts that feel cold and alone. Pray they would know that you are closer than a brother right now they would know you draw near. And I thank you that the Spirit of God in our lives means that we can be intentional about friendship, overthrowing the oppression of our day and valuing those that you've put around us. Thank you, it's the strength of the Spirit that enables us to do that. And I pray, Spirit of God, would you fill us in this moment Would you teach us, would you lead us, would you help us? Would you help us be better friends to one another and to a world desperate to see the beauty of friendship? Might we be reliable friends that cause others to be built up? And would we all pursue and cherish and value friends who are closer than a brother friends who are closer than a sister Spirit of God come if you know something in particular has hit you this morning, why don't you talk to Jesus about it for a moment he's not your friend because you're my friend and he's my friend Jesus is your friend directly you can talk to him Asking for help where you need help. Forgiveness where you need forgiveness. Friends where you need friends. Wisdom where you need wisdom. Spirit of God, come help as we ask. As we finish by reflecting on the beauty of Jesus, the friend who truly is closer than a brother. Amen.